Welcome to Live Your Full Life Now podcast. We are continuing our teaching on um, the subject of New Covenant versus Old Covenant. And again, the reason I decided to do this teaching because I believe a lot of Christians don't know exactly what that means. And what does it refer to when Christians say, oh, we're not under the law that was in the Old Covenant, we're under the New Covenant. Um, so hopefully these teachings is shedding some light on that. Um, I did give you guys a test and hopefully uh, that test help you realize uh, some facts about the old covenant. And um, so if somebody asks you, uh, what is the old covenant about? The tabernacle, the priesthood, the sin offering, um, the most holy place. Now you have an idea because we went over all that. And if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen um, to the teaching uh, that's mostly on the old covenant so far. So if you have learned that now, this is going to make more sense because I'm just going to compare um, the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, which is in the New Testament. And hopefully when you understand both, then you will understand the message of salvation and the gospel will become much more clear and easier to accept because I believe a lot of people reject it just because they don't understand the history behind it the purpose behind it. And if somebody just tells you, hey, do you want to be saved? Just receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and all your sins are forgiven. And I think a lot of people are like, what? You know, that just doesn't make sense. But so that's why I think it's important to, to learn and know these things about the Old Covenant, which is in the Old Testament, and the New Covenant, which is in the New Testament. So I'm just going to try to re keep it really simple. And if you need to get into it into the further podcast, we will to make more sense of it. Um, so first of all, let's see, was it even prophesied in the Old Testament that there's going to be a new covenant between God, right, and his people? Because remember, the Old Covenant was basically just between God and the nation of Israel. Um, so look up Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 33. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but please read it on your own. But this is what it says, and this is in the Old Testament. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to jump into uh, verse 33. It says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So definitely there was a prophecy that there's going to be a different covenant than the one that God had given Moses for the nation of Israel. Okay, so remember again, the Old Testament was between God and the nation of Israel. What about the New Testament? Is it, I'm sorry, the new covenant? Is it only between God and the nation of Israel again or what? So let's see, read Ephesians um, chapter three, verses two through six. Um, but again, I won't read the whole thing. This is Paul writing a letter uh, to the people in Ephesus. And verse 4, it says, In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Okay, pay attention. It says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Okay, did you hear that? So Gentiles are anybody who's not 
non-Jews, any any person who is not a Jewish person as uh, or of Jewish faith is a Gentile. So basically everybody else besides Jews, right? So it says this was a mystery in Christ that through Christ, right, through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So the purpose of reading this is to let you know that the new covenant is between God and all mankind. Everybody, this offer is available for everybody who's willing to accept it, not just for people who are born into families who are told you're Christian because we're Christian. This offer is for everybody. Anybody can become a Christian, okay? Because it's by choice. It's not by somebody just telling you you're this. This is a choice that people have to make uh, with their heart and um, decide on their own, not just be told this is your religion, so you just accept it. Um, so remember how the old covenant happened? It, it was on Mount Sinai. God gave it to Moses. Moses came down from the mountain and shared um, all these laws that God had given him with the nation of Israel. Um, there was a lot of laws. It wasn't just the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments had to do with the moral law. <clears throat> so um, then where did the new um, covenant come into play? So remember Jesus' Last Supper. Let's talk about that because he foretold of what was going to happen. 1 Corinthians 11.25 says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Um, and Matthew 26.27-28, through 28, which is uh, just another disciple saying the same story in his way, it says, Then he took the cup when he had given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sin. So, I mean, he was just, it was just symbolic of what he said. He compared wine to his blood. He said, this is what's, he's pretty much just telling him, this is what's going to happen. My blood is going to be shed. And this is how he's going to form the new covenant. And where was he? And then what happened next? The next morning, early morning, he was um, uh, captured. He was brought into trial between, before the governor Pilate, and then he was um, tortured, and then he was crucified um, on the cross, right? So that's when the new covenant took place, when literally Jesus died on the Christ and his blood was shed, when he gave up his life. Okay, now remember in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle, right? So where is the tabernacle now? Tabernacle was when the priest went in and offered sacrifices for the sin of people, right? Um, so let's see. If you read Hebrews 8, 1 through 2, it says, Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human beings. So, you, so this verse is saying that the, the tabernacle and the new covenant is in heaven. That's where it's always been, really. <laughs> and when God gave Moses instructions on how to build it, it was based on the tabernacle that was in heaven. Um, so feel free to read that in Hebrews um, 8, I believe it's verses 5 through 6. Right. Um, so 
which uh, it talks about that it was the tabernacle that he gave Moses instructions to build was a copy, a shadow of what was in heaven. Um, <clears throat> so remember in the Old Testament, the priest again went to offer sacrifices. Who is the priest in the new covenant? It's Jesus. Hebrews 9.15 says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from sins committed under the first covenant. Okay, so this is talking about the, the priest for the new covenant is just one person and that person is Jesus. Okay, and um, so then but we talked about when the priest in the Old Testament offered sacrifices for sins, they were set free from the curses that was supposed to come on them, right? Because there were curses and blessings for disobedience or obedience. So um, let's talk about the moral law because um, it is said that um, we have been free from the curse. And again, some there's some concept, some misconception out there that we're not required to like obey any, like we can do whatever we want and God has forgiven us. And we're just free. We're just free to do whatever we want. And that's not true. We have been freed from the ceremonial law in the Old Covenant, which had to do, let's say, with the requirements of how to perform sacrifices, dietary laws, festival laws, things like that. And we have been freed from the civil law, which God gave them like directions on how to handle disputes between you know, themselves, between the citizens of the nation of Israel. But we are not free from the moral law, right? It says that he wrote the moral law in our hearts. So if you read Matthew um, 5, verses 17 through 19, um, what did Jesus say? Did he say that um, I came to abolish the law? He didn't say that. Actually, he said the opposite. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So which law is he talking about? The moral law. Because think about it. What's in your heart? Like you feel guilty if you, hopefully, <laughs> when you lie to somebody, especially lie to a, um, someone, a loved one, right? Um a married couple will feel guilty if they're committing adultery. It will feel wrong in their heart. They won't just feel like, oh, this feels great and I just it's justified and I deserve it and I don't care. It just feels right. No, they're lying to themselves. Deep down, they feel sad about it. Deep down, they're hurting uh, because they know what they're doing is wrong, right? So it is definitely the moral laws that are still written in our hearts and that God wants us to follow. Now, the civil law, yes, we are free from the civil law of the Old Testament and the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, but not the moral law. Um, so remember, again, in the Old Testament, since we're just comparing the two uh, covenants, in the Old uh, Covenant, I know I keep saying Testament, but I really mean the covenant, which was the Old Testament. The Old Covenant, what was the sacrifices for sin? They were animals, like animals without blemish, like goats, lamb, sheep, um, they had to be brought before and the priest had to kill them in front of the tent. And so what, 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 is, what is the sacrifice for the new covenant? Well, 
who do you think what was what and who is the sacrifice in the new covenant it and that is i'm sure you all know it's jesus right it's the son of god himself so listen to what the bible calls him this is in john 135 through 36 it says the next day john was there again with two of his disciples uh, where he saw jesus passing and this is when um, john was baptizing people remember and he also baptized jesus so the next day he saw jesus and he said look the lamp of god so john who baptized jesus when he saw him he called him the lamb of god Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. So, you know, like just imagine a lamb when they take him to slaughter him. They're so like helpless and uh, they can't do anything or defend any defend themselves. And, you know, they're not like a lion who would put up a fight, right? Um, or, or a strong animal. But like a sheep is kind of like helpless. But just keep in mind, Jesus was not helpless. Because the Bible says at any moment, he could have called angels. He could have put a stop to the whole thing. But it says, for the joy set before him, he surrendered. He, it says, through obedience, he suffered. He knew this had to be done. He knew there has to be a sacrifice for sin, for all humankind, uh, for, for, human, uh, for humans to be reconciled back to God. And, and then the reason for that is so they can have life and eternity with God. Not only that, but a full life on earth. Uh, so hopefully, I know it might be too much information. <laughs> I try to keep it simple. But again, just go back and forth between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Again, if you understand the Old Covenant, you will understand the requirements and the New Covenant, why there had to be a sin offering, why that sin offering had to be a perfect lamb without any blemish. Remember, Jesus was the only person ever born without sin, right? Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. He was not an ordinary man, right? He was in, in nature, like in a physical body, but he lived without sin. And he heard his father talk to him and um, he was filled, you know, with the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, he did exactly what God wanted him to do. And he sacrificed his life for the sins of all mankind. Again, this offer is anybody to, this offer is available to anybody who wants to receive that and believe that by faith. So I think I'm going to conclude this teaching. I will probably do other teachings on um again the gift of salvation because i think it's such a deep subject that because people don't understand it they don't accept it and they miss the whole um the whole gospel and the whole plan of salvation which is huge it has to do with living on forever after we leave this uh you know earthly tent but again at the same time it is also about living by the spirit of god now uh, while we're on this earth how we can uh, live a better life um, because um, of the Holy Spirit that God gives us when we receive the gift of salvation. So anyway, um, again, if it was too much information, you can just pause it, go back and listen, and then do your own research. Like look in the Bible, um, ask questions from other believers, from pastors, and hopefully you will come to a point where you will, if you haven't already, see your need for a Savior. And with all your heart, 
You will ask Jesus to come into your heart. You will acknowledge that you're a sinner and surrender your life to him and receive the gift of Holy Spirit and receive salvation, basically. Okay, so um, again, hopefully that was helpful to those people who are listening who have not received the gift of salvation. And if you have, if you just did through this teaching, uh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. And until the next teaching, God be with you and God bless you.